Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my shit together. That's my shit together. Nice personality combination. Hostile and intolerant. So that's that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Dyson Jacks. I'm Tamau. He's Mr. Man on board. SP Futures up 26, NASDAQ Futures up 111. We're going to give it another shot to the upsides here. We'll we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that works out. Do we have Mr. Kevin? We do, and I want to know how come we only play that hostile and intolerant on the days I'm coming on. Um, we'll have to ask our producer. I think it has to do with you. I, I think. I think, it's I think, it's, I think <laughs> I'm taking it personally. I think it's a choice on the person of yesterday. Uh, oh, okay. Not necessarily my own, but uh, but yeah. That Blame Eliani. She's not here to defend. It could herself. be a coincidence. It could be something else. We we gotta look into it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll 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 put it out for study. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll a committee. Make an assessment offline. I think that's how you say these kinds of things in, in corporate world. Yeah, we'll uh, well, whatever. We'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll send we'll it to committee. We'll put that one in the parking lot. Yeah, we'll send it to committee. Just saying. And I'm uh, I have a question for you. By the way, did you uh? Listen on uh, any of the, my interview with uh, the mayor yesterday. Yeah, I did. Um, I'm going to say it was a case Seems of... like an affable guy. Yeah, he does. It was a case of me uh, being a little overprepared, which is a little bit bizarre for me. Usually I, when I interview uh, people, I just have a couple things I want to see where they want to go, and then I just wonder where they want to go. But the, the more I started reading all the stuff about what was going on with the district changing and the maps and everything, there were so many moving pieces... That I had way too many questions for a half hour, but I think it was okay anyway. But he was okay yeah, with fe- good yeah, he was okay with feeling like three questions in a row. <laughs> Eliani had to say he always does that. Just just answer one at a time. <laughs> Thanks, Eliani. Help me you out. I think go, you go uh, uh, full chat topic on him. Huh? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I was absolutely stunned, Kevin, with the way the, the district changed. It's one of the ones where they combined because we, lo- we Illinois, uh, lost the district. And uh, when I first heard Audrey tell me that the mayor was running for a rep, uh, she's a big fan of the dude, uh, and uh, obviously. And um, so, and, that, and I think with good reason. I think he's done a nice job. Uh, and, he's, and he's a decent guy. I mean, he seems like he's a real decent guy. So uh, he, I looked at the old district, and I'm thinking, why the hell is he running in this 6th district? Because for those who don't know where Orland is, Orland is in the south. It's a southwest suburb, pretty good size. It's it's a it's almost like a square. I mean, it's probably not a square, but it's it's actually a regular looking map kind of thing. And the old sixth district was like west of Orland, maybe took a little bit of Orland, and ran all the way up kind of this really bizarre map all the way up to Barrington, Kevin, like through Elmhurst and through that whole area. And I'm thinking that's not his turf. I mean, does, does he, he, my conclusion was he must have lived in the, in the really western part of Orland. Maybe it was just a little part of the district or something. And I'm thinking, well, I don't, I don't get it. Why is he even running there? And then all of a sudden I see the new map and try and find 
the new map versus the old map, certainly with my skills in the computer. The only place I could find a really good map of the new district is on his website, where you could actually get it down to where you could read the street names. All the rest of them, you can't quite get them down to where you can read the... It's, it's kind of weird, uh, state of Illinois being what it is. And now all of a sudden there's this big, pretty much uh, square district, you know, as any of these districts are, with Orland like right in the middle. And I'm thinking, now I know. <laughs> well, this, this is his, I think Orland is, what do you say yesterday, 53% of the votes mm-hmm. in the new district are, are Orland. That, that's a massive change. Well, usually the, the draw, when they, when they have to redraw it, um, a lot of it is aimed at, uh, who do, you know, whose, whose job do they want to uh, kill? Who do they want to undermine? Um, or, uh, you know, or how can they engineer, um, you know, engineer, uh, a, a a district that's going to vote, you know, one one party or the other all the time, and I I don't know, you know, I I know part of the art of that is that you identify, say say you're Democrat, you identify the districts, you know, the areas that are going to vote Republican no matter what you do, so you try and make them their own district and and uh, or their own uh, yeah their own uh, congressional district and then um, and then the um, the, the you can you can divide up the Democrats. You don't want to dilute your vote where you, you know where you know you have to surrender. But then you'll engineer as many uh, districts as you can to where you're going to win. Well, our friend uh, Matt Murphy, who used to come on before he was still in the state legislature, uh, this is when we first started the show. So hell, it was a long time ago, and he he's been out of there a while. But they, when they redistricted his area, and he's he's up north, he must be just north of this district. I don't know which one he was in. No, wait a minute, he was a state district, so different. He was in a, a state senate district. He said that his district was, uh, like, so Republican that he moved, uh, they, they moved uh, the Democrats out. So he, did, he didn't even have, a, didn't have anybody opposing him. Right. You know, they, they know where they have to surrender, uh, and then focus the districting efforts efforts on ways to, uh, you know, where they can uh, uh, siphon off some Republican uh, uh, territories that aren't enough to beat the, uh, the Democrat, and vice versa. You know, the Republicans in in, in power would do the same thing. Oh, sure. So I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, the, the thought of randomized district, but whenever you lose a district, it's it's a real. Uh, but this one was, uh, remember, way, way back in the day, this was. This was Henry Hyde's district. It was Republican forever. That guy was there, what, 10, 12 terms? Easy. Yeah, a long time. And then uh, after him, it became, there was somebody, then it became, what was it, Rascom? Was his district? And then uh, he lost out to this, this Democratic guy. I, I don't know where else. What if this guy lives in Barrington? How does he, how does he even run in this district? It was his own district. It's 20 miles away now. Well, then he doesn't run there anymore. You don't have to live in it, do you? Or do you, for a rep? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I, 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 honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't. I I wonder. I'm sure somebody accused you of something if you didn't. But some of the things were, were sort of interesting. The question El- Eliani asked him, I had no idea that, that in, a, in a, a mayor of a community like that, people were taking pot shots at your wife and kids and stuff. I mean, is that just the way the world is now, or what? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think politics is is so toxic now. Um, the you know, it's 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 the difference between thinking that. Uh, that the other side has, uh, uh, are people with bad ideas, or are you uh, uh, bad people with ideas? Well, he was out on the out on the front line of uh, 
places staying open um, with the COVID stuff. And I wonder if he, I bet he got a lot of pushback on that. Well, you still get it. Yeah, you know, I, I still see people, I, uh, unbelievably at this point, who are saying, uh, well, first of all, there's a lot of people that, that still, you know, I still see them with masks and so on, and I try to be as open-minded as I can, say maybe they're immunocompromised or anything. But I think, you know, you still have a lot of people who just live in fear, um, which, you know, from my perspective, you know, at our age, Tom, what do we have left? Ten years, twenty years, yeah, maybe. Maybe. You know, so we're, we're you know, the last two years uh, account for somewhere between ten and twenty percent of our uh, remaining life. I'm not willing to spend all of that, you know, that that percentage of my life uh, f- uh, in fear. No. So I, you know, I've done everything I can to live normally the last couple of years, as normally as uh, as I was allowed to live. Um, by you know without making other people's lives miserable so for instance i didn't like to uh, hassle uh, other employees you know if they if they said hey i need you to put on a mask I'd put on a mask for them but um yeah i did too uh, because because it's not their rules there uh, um, so if i had to do that in the store i had to do it in the store um but uh, you know otherwise i, I was living uh, normally nothing stopped me from going out going out to eat um you know, doing things out of the house, anything that we could. And, you know, it was just a, a personal choice. And part of that makes it a little bit hard for me to understand why anybody really wants to live in that kind of fear. You, you know, you have to stare it down and say, you know, I, I, I know it's fear, but when we're talking about a, a case fatality rate of like two-tenths of a percent, uh, you know, how much am I willing to alter my life for that kind of risk? And, uh, you know, I... I, I I do my best to try to be understanding about it, but I, I struggle with that. Um, yeah, I, uh, clearly the way, way it blew through these nursing homes was something we could have done a better job on. Uh, we had the, we had the things that we were obvious early on we could have done better at. I had my first experience. We, we knew that from the first yeah. major outbreak yep. in Kirkland, Washington, um, that the nursing homes were a, uh, a hot spot. And yet, uh, how many governors you know, sent people, sent sick people in there anyway, mandated taking sick people yep. there. Well, at one point early on... That's just completely negligent. At one point early on, 70... I'm not, I'm not saying the governor did anything wrong. It just... I think it just got started there, because uh, I don't know what he did in Ohio. But I think I, the first few months when everybody was, you know, the, the deaths were coming down pretty good, I think like 70, 75% of the deaths were nursing homes? Yep, I believe it. And uh, anyway, the... Uh, um, yeah, but it, I had my first experience. Where are we? Wednesday, Monday. I go to leave work. I get out of the elevator. To, you know, this building here is older building. Has a couple of smaller elevators. Normally, when I leave, there's nobody here. Still, I bet we're still not half full, uh, even though it's you know, it's well well over half at least. Uh, so I get in the elevator. Door opens up on the fourth floor. I uh, knew usually goes right down. There's this lady with a mask on, and there's me. She goes, "No, I'll wait." <laughs> okay, is it is this last year? What are you doing? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I well, and, and <laughs> where I work, uh, the the elevators they they actually had little spots where you were supposed to stand in the elevator. Uh, you know, and, and maximum of two and two people. You stand in this corner, I'll stand in that corner. Oh, please. Well, John, uh, <laughs> our, our friend uh, Mr. Flanagan uh, is says there's gonna be some. Real interesting lawsuits in some of these buildings 
uh, what was it with the first God uh, Dewey Cheatham and Howe one, one of those big law firms up on uh, North LaSalle they said they weren't going to pay their rent or something like that to some building I think I, I'm not sure if it's the same building where Chicago cuts in it's, but anyway they've got whoever this firm is they've got you know multiple floors in this building and they just said you know we're keeping people at home and by the way we're not paying the rent I mean they said they, they could not they, if you only could have five, six people in the elevator, they could not get their people up and down during the eight-hour day or something. And you know what? They're probably. What do you do if you're one of these apartments? I mean, some of these apartment buildings, high rises. People were saying that you couldn't. It took you like fifteen elevators to get. What if you had a poor dog? <laughs> I got to. <laughs> <laughs> I got to. Well, yeah, that just means you're going to have a little surprise in the elevator. Uh, or, distancing, no problem. Or, or waiting for the elevator. I mean, one or the other. Um, hey, what? Do you, what do you make of this? Uh, it, it's startling to me how people look at the. Uh, I'm changing gears on you here, like I like I did on the poor mayor yesterday. Uh, the it's, it's it's startling to me, Kevin. How in God's name we can be? And uh, just uh, just look at the inflation though, without, without without getting into it, which we will in a second here. Uh, you mean the Putin price hikes? Uh, yeah, the Putin price hikes. Now, uh, February to March, unadjusted. Is one point three percent, and uh, adjusted is one point two. I don't know what the hell they're adjusting, but anyway, it's one point three is the real number. For however many years <laughs> I've been doing this since grad school, at the University of Chicago in the seventies, your inflation number is. You look at the monthly number, maybe two or three rolling average months. That's your number, but now we've decided it's going to be this this lagging twelve year deal. Yeah, the year over year is, yeah. is, is what we're going to report no, my, my instead of the month to month times twelve. But who who makes this call? I mean, how is it that every single person this morning? I mean, I have trouble finding now the monthly numbers going back. I mean, I'm sure I can, but uh, I mean, if I was better at this internet stuff, but uh, how is that now the number? Does anybody care what it was a year ago? Now, when we start to go down. Are we going to say that it's way up when it's already down? I mean, this 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 has. Oh a no! Percent. If it goes down a percent, we're going to say it's a twelve percent reduction. Yeah, I mean, right now, for those of you that don't have your calculator handy, don't feel like doing math. One point three times twelve is fifteen point six, not eight point five. I'm sorry. Even if you look at last month, which was point eight, and add those two together, then uh, you get to get two point one times six. Is twelve point six. It's not eight point five. And when you go to the store, fifteen is what it looks like. Yes. And uh, but but here's the trick, back, Kevin. When you when you do something, I'll go out and say when you do something that ignorant when it comes to math, you're you're going to everything you do is going to have you know it's it's going to stick you in the behind. Because now I actually, as you know, well, I don't know if you listened when Dan was on last week. <clears throat> I actually think that the monthly number is peaking right now at fifteen percent, sixteen, seventeen. Not at eight. It's but I think that if you look at the money supply movement over the last two years, ten years, you're going to see that the the peak in, in the growth was was probably. Somewhere four to six months ago, where we were pushing in, we did what? We did thirty-eight percent in two years, or some incredible number, and then and then it went down to thirteen and a half percent, fourteen for a while, and now we're down to 
last month it was actually, or in February it was actually like four and a half. So I'm, I bet it comes back up again in March. But we won't get those numbers for a while because they don't give them to us anymore. But in, in my, in my, the way I look at the lags on this stuff and the way I look at the at the money movement, I'm going to say we probably did peak this month or around this month, give or take a few, and we peaked at somewhere between 15 and 17. It's been my number all along. And, and once in a while, even I get to be right. But I think, but that doesn't mean this eight this eight point five percent number is not peaking. We're going to get another one point one next month, and then another one, maybe another another one. And well, that's the thing. The thing is that the, this counting may be uh, using lower numbers, but it is going to make the uh, awful reports drag out for a long time. But it's also because, horrible on policy. Yeah, if it if it peaks and and we start to see it subside. It's still going to be eight percent higher than, than last year. Well, and one of the guys that they, uh, it's it's let's put it this way, Kevin. Uh, everybody has their their spot where they're they're pretty much I won't say expert, but knowledgeable about. I mean, you're not you're not going to talk to Doctor Billy about hand surgery and argue with the guy because <laughs> he, he knows more about hand surgery than anybody. You know, than maybe five other people. Well, but he's that. I don't think he's going to want to argue with me about money supplies. But they, you notice that people are on TV longer and longer, and guys that used to talk just about stocks are now experts on the economy as well. Now, these guys, I couldn't, even though I manage money for people, and I do you know, a lot of money that, that, I, do, that I help people out with, I've never professed myself to be an expert on 400 stocks. Where I know I know the name of the guy who runs the place, and I've talked to him, and that's why I mean I, I, I grew up as an index trader, and that's why I like people diversified and you know, left to my own devices. I have everybody in in uh, ETFs and spiders and things like that because that's what I know, and uh, and that's how I know how to protect people. I, I have no idea whether if I pick up X Y Z that the next day the guy's going to be a crook, and uh, Place goes from 100 to 4. I don't want that to happen. Anyway, these guys are good at that stuff, but now they're kind of wandering over into areas they know nothing about, yet their face is still on TV. One of the guys just said, I won't even mention his name. Started talking about the thing absolutely is peaking here, not because of any sort of study that I've done regarding money movements and things. It has to do because used car prices have rolled over. All right, Kevin, now that leads you in another whole bag of bag of worms about inflation is, what happens when used car prices, let's say, for instance, the way they do the, the table, and I'm looking right at it. Uh, by the way, it doesn't make me right that I'm looking at the table. I just happen to be looking at the table. Uh, if used car prices are, let's say, 1% of the basket, actually, I will dig down here and find out what, what percentage of the basket is there. Uh, if they are, say they're 1% of the basket, and a used car price is uh, 5000 bucks. All right, now it goes from... Five thousand to fifteen thousand, like in a month, which it damn near did, right? Uh, matter of fact, I'm looking. I'm, here we am. Used cars and trucks were actually down one point eight percent, and they're now four percent of the basket. All right, so let's say they started at two and a half, two point eight percent of the basket. They like tripled or, or doubled in a year, which they did. Maybe even I would say two and a half times. Maybe not tripled, <clears throat> and. uh so now they they run up, and now they stop running up. But now you adjust the basket to where they're a bigger piece of the basket, and now they actually are steady or maybe even dropping a hair. What have you done? You've, you've absolutely destroyed 
any sort of meaning here at all, right? You had it a very small piece, then it went up, and now it's a bigger piece. You, you, you never catch up on the fact that it went up two and a half times, do you? I don't think you do. No. But to take an extreme example, I don't think there's a... Uh, well, let's say, for instance, for you to park your kayak behind your house, there's never been a fee, I don't think. All of a sudden, somebody decides, hey, I know how we can raise money for whatever city you live in. I'm going to charge everybody a thousand bucks for this new kayak charge fee on your dock. Yeah, you, or, or you got to have a kayak, um, you got to have a medallion, a registration. Yeah. And, uh, so it's a thousand. Well, 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 it's, take it on the water. Yeah, so it's, it's not in the CPI, right? Because it never was there before. So now it's a thousand bucks to Kevin. And now it stays a thousand bucks. You run up that? Yeah, well. <laughs> that's a kayak that's going to stay parked on the porch. Well, okay, so say it does, you know, and I, so all of a sudden in the next 10 years it stays a thousand bucks. Well, now it's 2% of your basket. Okay, now there's 2% that's not going to go up for 10 years, but you, ne- you never, you never picked up the thousand in the first place. Somebody, these numbers are, are I, well, I wonder, I wonder if any of this too, if it requires, uh, uh you know, um, the uh, accounting treatment, you know, do you do you really treat it uh, as uh, as a ten year um, allocation? Uh, you know, uh, gradually. No, you can't do that. Never mind. Some I was thinking out loud, and it's, it it makes no sense. Well, but I mean, keep you, going, Tom. But, keep going. <laughs> but the per, but the uh, percentage of the of the uh, the uh, parts in here that you, you're looking about. Let me dig into the where are we here and and uh, rent your. Rent of sh- rent of primary residence is up four point four percent year over year. Well, okay. Name me a study that has that less than thirteen to fifteen. And they've got it four. And they also have it as as seven uh, percent of your ba- of a basket. How in the hell could your rent be seven percent of your basket? I mean, there isn't a rent anywhere near downtown here. Isn't, isn't that the biggest check everybody writes every week? I would uh, say it is. I would say it is, except for health insurance, maybe. And uh, so, let's see. You've got owner's equivalent owner's equivalent rent of primary residence, which is uh, uh, essentially your cost of home ownership. Correct? It's the cost you would have to pay to rent your own home, and that's what they that's what they use for. They got it up four point five percent this year. And it's 22.7% of your basket. I'm going to say that most of the people buying new homes now, what did Nancy say Monday? That it's up to like 45%, 50% of your paycheck you can pay your house? You can't do anything else, but that's what you do. So how does it, houses are up what this year? 25%, 20%? And they got it four, and they got it up 4.5%. So those, those two pieces, now, if these guys decide to catch up at any point here, or are they just going to keep lying to us? Uh, and what are we doing, Kevin? I mean, this is this is crazy. And since in some of these areas, um, so there, I'm just saying. Uh, if you go through it, it's somewhat it's somewhat illuminating um, how they how they go about it. What the, but you always want to look not only just at the price increase, but what percent of your basket, you know, it is and. Uh, you know, just well, the, the critical thinking required to answer these questions is sorely lacking in our educational system. Uh, right. Uh, it, it is one of the big failings that we have um, because uh, we we should be you know looking at statistics and and not accepting them as answers but as reasons to ask questions. 
Well, I, I would agree. And now they've got health insurance as uh, the cost of health insurance is is 0.8% of somebody's basket. Yeah, you want to bet. What, but what if you're actually paying it? I, I mean, I can't even... Medical care services are 6.9% of people's baskets. It's it's 20% of the economy, for God's sake. But what, what are we doing here? Well, e- either either health insurance or uh, or medical care, one or the other has, you know, or the two of them combined have to add up to 20%. Right. I, uh, right. I mean, yeah. how, how can they not? Well, they don't. <laughs> they, they don't. They're like six or seven, and they used to be less than that. So, you know, my point is, if that number would have been twenty percent for the last twenty years, the inflation rate would be way higher, wouldn't it? A little. Yeah, just a little. Uh, but now, if you're going to move, Kevin, uh, moving in storage is only up six point nine percent, and domestic services is up nine point four. That's a big move. So what if you have domestic a, services, I would guess a cleaning lady, something like that. Yeah. Actually, mine went up ten bucks, so that's probably right. Could be, uh, could be yard care too. Uh, tobacco up six point nine percent. Cigarettes up seven point one. Everything's in here. By the way, wine, wine at home is only up two percent. Alcoholic beverages away from home. Got point. kids whining at home is free. Yeah, yeah. Well, now if you're, uh, <laughs> this is unbelievable. Uh, they have away from home and at home. I'm going to say that away from home, if anybody's had a drink in a bar in the last three months, it's way more than 4%. Just saying. That's if you just 24. I just <laughs> had a glass of wine last night for, I think it was 14 bucks. Yeah, that's if you 24. And as if you're up 105, be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com CognosHR, innovation in human resources, licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Jackson. I'm Tamal. It's Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 21. NASDAQ Futures up 90. We're trying to make it a go to the upside here again. We tried yesterday and failed miserably. If we, uh, after we lost out on the reality, it was up 40 points in the spoos at one point. We finished down. Uh, so that was not good. Dow's up 159. Even though J.P. Morgan said they took a, let's see, how big is this hit? Uh, $524 million hit from a market dislocations fueled by Russia sanctions. Um, sounds like they didn't get a t- interest payment or something. I wish I could, there was more detail on that, but I haven't been able to find it. Uh, so they're down, uh, where the hell are they? They're down, uh, $1.54 trading $130. They had those, uh, earnings last night. Over in Asia, we've got, Nikkei, which was down, is up 508, 1.9%. These guys are very, very volatile. Shanghai down 26.8%. Hang Seng up 552 And again, I think they've had a really down week there as well, but they bounced back a little bit today. Over in Europe, we got the DAX down 102.7%. FTSE up 8.1%. CAC around down 29.4%. So mixed to down in Europe. Uh, it was a wave review yesterday. The Dow finished down 87. Uh, S&P down 15. NASDAQ down 40 after being up virtually all day. Uh, bonds, 2.72, kind of unchanged on a 10-year rate. Uh, Bun, uh, really 0.8, 0.799, that's unchanged. Japan unchanged at 0.23. Oil, uh, up 210 over over 100 hours again. It was down to, what, 96 the other day. Uh, the first day, allegedly, they were putting, taking money out of the strategic reserve. Back to 102.70 today. Brent up 240, 107.40 natural gas, up another 11 cents. Six seventy nine. It's really heading towards seven dollars. That would really be something. Our Bob up five cents to two three twenty one. We've got gold up five eighty nineteen eighty one. Trying to make a push toward two thousand. Silver up eighteen cents twenty five ninety one. Copper unchanged four seventy. And we've got crypto up four eighteen, but down but at thirty nine nine hundred. So was down yesterday during the day after the show. So it's down really quite a bit from the forty six thousand. I'm going to say ten days ago. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports, Cubs win. Sox win, everybody's happy. That's right. It's a really good day for baseball in Chicago. Uh, currently, uh, today is uh, 636, April 13th, 2022. In sports, real quick, uh, Cubs beat the Pittsburgh Pirates 2-1. to And a White Sox victory against Seattle Mariners 3-1. to Both Cubs and Sox back today for another game. Uh, and the NHL last night, Blackhawks lose once again <laughs> to the LA Kings 2-5. to uh, Coyotes beaten by New Jersey Devils 2-6. to 
It's all for sports. Now, on the weather, Chicago mostly cloudy with uh, rain later in the morning, and it's feeling like an Arctic summer, 68 degrees, high of 68, low of 38. In Phoenix, clear skies, 49 degrees, high of 75, and a low of 49. Feels like we reversed the roles there. Traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound the Eisenhower between Wolf Road and Harlem. Traffic eastbound in the Kennedy between Cumberland and Lawrence. Heavy traffic westbound on Dan Ryan between 35th all the way to downtown. Keep in mind that the Sox game is on tonight, uh, guaranteed rate field. That's causing some traffic on the Dan Ryan. Uh, traffic northbound Stevenson between Route 171 and South Pulaski. And finally, traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East McFectridge and East Jackson. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Kevin, uh, you think the uh, the Hawks are just can't wait to get the season over with or what? Oh, well, they want to go home. Well, as soon as they get rid of Fleury, their last chance at even winning any games is, is gone. They got no defense, and these other goalies are are sieves, as we used to say in college. Sieves. Sieves. That's not a good name for a goalie. No, it is not. <laughs> God. What it the, is not. What a... Um, yeah, it was... Um, uh, the, the Blackhawks had their day, but, boy, they have not shown any signs of life. You know, it's one thing to say we have to rebuild the... Uh, uh, the team, and uh, you know, you got to let some of the older guys retire, and they and you get salary cap hits, and all of those kinds of things. And it's one thing to have to restart, but is there anything about that team that says this is going to get better anytime soon? Uh, no, and I think you're you're going to be way beyond the useful life of Taze and Kane when it does, if it does, which is a shame. Which is a shame, and uh, yeah, it would probably be kind of cool to see those guys get a chance for a last hurrah somewhere. But I don't know if that's going to happen either. No, uh, uh, if, if the Blackhawks think they're going to get value for him at this age, I, you know, I'm not sure what that value is going to be. But it's not going to turn into anything that's going to reshape the franchise. No, uh, the even the loss, even though at his age, the loss of Duncan Keith was. Uh, I mean, last year. And the guy was, you know, he, he had million, million miles on him, but still, the dude was playing 33 minutes a game. He was your penalty killer. He was on a power play. I mean, and he was taking... Yeah, he was an <laughs> absolutely great player. A real treat to watch for all those years. Yeah. I, uh, and, and, and their prime, who, who was, who was, do you think was better, him or who was the other guy? Did they end up having like eight surgeries and I can't come back? Was Seabrook? Good. Yeah. Were they pretty much equal? I, I think uh, as uh, Seabrook um, was the better offensive player... Uh, I, I think Keith was the better all-around player. Yeah, he was really, he was almost like, he and Hosa were probably the two most fundamentally sound people I think I've ever watched. Well, Stan, I mean, way back, Stan McKeith obviously was, and those kinds of guys, but, uh, yeah, it's really kind of, it's, it's, it's horrible. And the Bulls, are they, they have any chance against the Bucks? Three games? Was it five games? Or were, were, it's five games, right? Oh, no. Uh, they'd be lucky to win a game. What is the, I, mean, I, I kind of like the coach, but I watch his team, and no matter who they put out there, I know they've had a lot of injuries and so forth, but Kevin, the other team scores 120 points every night. What's well, that's the NBA for, in general. Every, the scoring is way up because of, the, you know, the way the rules have been modified and the, and, and the, um, the games have been officiated. So that, that's up around, across the board. It is not unusual to see teams score in the 120s, certainly in the one teens. Um, but the Bulls are not a good defensive team. I think I sent you a, a clip uh, yesterday or the day before, and and you could see, um, you know, it, it's things like, um, um, oh, come on, the all-star player. I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Oh, uh, 
DeRosa? Um, not DeRozan, um, Jack Levine. Levine. Yeah, and and there there was just this one little clip of Levine just bailing out instead of boxing out for the rebound, bailing out and heading up the court. Um, and uh, and meanwhile, Io DeSumo is left to uh, uh, try to get a rebound against bigger people, and then le- also left to defend when the uh, I think it was the Bucks. Bucks got the rebound, left to try and defend two guys. You know, it's those kinds of fundamental defensive lapses um, that, you know, really kill them more than anything else. They have some inconsistencies. And I don't know if Donovan's going to ever be able to make uh, Zach Levine into a credible defensive player or not. He's a really great offensive player, but it, it doesn't it doesn't flash the, the desire to be a... Uh, a good defender, and that's—I think that's—that's that's a shame because he, you know, he seems like an okay guy and all, but he's, you know, you, you're just not getting any, um, you know, you're not getting anything that resembles the kind of effort that you need to be able to win. Because he, yes, they're going to give up a lot of points, but by the same token, you have to be able to shave, you know, with with good defense, you have to be able to shave off five or six points every game, and. And it's those kind of lapses that instead are adding the five or six points every game to the other team, and you know that's enough to lose a lot of games. But I see, I see this. So and it does, you know, it doesn't help that both Levine and um, and DeRozan have been out. That Patrick Williams has been out all yeah. year, and certainly that they haven't had um, Lonzo Ball for almost the whole season. Uh, so yeah, they, they've got their other problems too. But I, I think this team still needs work. Um, you know they, they've never figured out how to fit Vucevic into the uh, into the mix, and it might be uh, you know maybe there's an opportunity to get a center that fits them better uh, in exchange for Zuc- uh, Vucevic if you can put together the deal. But um, I, you no, know, they need we'll they see. need a, an additional big man. He he wants to be a power forward out on the edge. He doesn't want to be the center. He's a great yeah, but a lot player. of teams have centers that play a lot outside. I know, but I'm saying they, but they always have another big guy. The Bulls don't. Well, that's, that was supposed to be Patrick Williams. Okay, but I mean, as of, but as of now, they don't have. Look at the difference in this Milwaukee team. Well, that's that's why they went out and got um, um, Tristan. Um, uh, what's this guy's last name? Uh, I know what you mean. But oh, I mean, shoot! I mean, look at look at the difference in this Milwaukee team since they went out and got the, uh, the Lopez guy. They're, they're yeah, yeah. Brooke Lopez gives them the ability to play Giannis wherever they want to play him. They yeah, can play him. They can play him as a center. And and Lopez was out a part of the year too. Yeah, and that that slowed down the Bucks. Uh, well, so was Canada, and that, you know that, that hurt him too. Um, I, you know the thing that, about the economics of all this is, is I don't. A lot of it's corporate money now, and I guess I won't say they don't care because I think they do, especially. The last couple of years, you're paying up for these tickets. You know, people aren't even going. I don't know how that worked out, but I mean, the, the Bulls or, the, or I mean, the Hawks, when they had an incredible run for a decade, were not shy about raising ticket prices. I mean, not shy at all to the point where I mean, they're you know, a couple hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, uh, three fifty. I mean, it's it's a it's a big number. But then then all of a sudden, you expect people to buy this bull bleep. Oh man, we we can't sign three or four of our best guys because of a salary cap. Okay, or my not so if you have to get rid of them, do my ticket prices go down? Then nah, nah, that ain't happening. Uh, and all of a sudden, you, you're sitting there. It's, it's four or five years now with a horse bleep team, with essentially number one team in in, in hockey price tickets. I mean, at some point, is somebody going to say, "What? What? 
what am I doing here? I mean, they still have a fandom, I know, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it, I think they're... But it'll wane because it, it, it did that in the past. You know, they, they have passed to, uh, uh, to learn from. And there was a time when the, the stadium was half empty. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, uh, I, I, it, it always lags for a while after the, after the team goes south, but it, eventually it gets there. What do you think about the, uh, I, I have my, obviously my very strong opinions about it is the idea of just everybody having to keep track of everybody else. The whole idea that, like, there's never going to be any cash in these ballparks again? Everything, I mean, everything is your credit card, everything is something. Yeah, um, I, I saw that for basketball this year, for college basketball, so, you know, it's the same thing. It, it, to me, it doesn't matter much. I don't go to the concession stands very much anyway. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, uh, you, you know, maybe because they don't serve beer at uh, Notre Dame basketball games, so. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's off the table, but you know I'm certainly not you know not big on spending uh, you know eight bucks for a crappy hot dog. So uh, you know I, yeah. I you know I, I'm not it doesn't affect me much. So I really haven't given it much thought. I'm, I'm sure uh, from a big picture standpoint, um, it's it's probably really good for the uh, uh, for the sites because cash handling is a pain in the butt. Uh, and making that go away is a good thing uh, for uh, from a cost standpoint, and uh, and then you don't have to worry about employee theft as much either, which is always an issue in a cash business. So yeah, they probably love it, but um, I, I wonder if it has affected uh, sales at all. Well, I the thing that I have my, we have our source, uh, Mr. Weber, who's obviously in that industry. And he and he claims, and it, I, she, next time he's on, I, maybe he'll give us a, a spiel on this because I don't even know the names of the damn places. But these credit card places that that do all the handling, not not, not Capital One themselves, or or, or uh, those kinds. No, of the people. processors. The processors are now like the biggest companies on earth, and have every piece of information on like everybody. And you know, I'm going to say that five percent, three percent of the price. Of Wrigley, I don't. I don't want to pay three percent more to that guy. I'd, I want to pay cash, or maybe it's five percent. I don't even know what it is. I don't. I don't want to pay that fee. I shouldn't have to. Well, it, this. I mean, you can add this to the list of uh, of things that uh, a lot of people have wanted to do for a long time. A lot of businesses have wanted to do for a long time, and the pandemic pandemic gave them cover to do it. And not look back. Yeah, so well, it's the way it's going to be. Um, well, I don't. I don't really want on the toll road. I mean, I have the easy pass; so they can find me anywhere. I guess so it doesn't really matter. But I don't. I don't want to have to pay with a credit card. Do those guys? Did they fire those people? Or are they still paying them? The guys who used to take the cash and now don't. Well, okay. I'm sure they fired them. There's, you know, there, and there's. They, they, do the toll booths? Um, do any of the toll booths on the? Uh, Toll road have uh, cash. I don't think they ever brought it back. It was all COVID, right? It was COVID on the money. But I mean, I don't. I don't see why. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know because I haven't. I just haven't paid attention as I've uh, driven through um, with my Easy Pass. I, I think on the, on the Indiana toll road, you probably can still pay cash. I'm not positive on that. Well, the Skyway Bridge is, keeps going. What's it now? Five fifty each way. I'll have to jump on the toll road today and pay the quarter to go up one exit and see. God. 
Well, I mean, these are things that, you know, I don't want every single transaction to go through three companies getting 5% of everything everybody does. I mean, is that, is that, is that where I want to head as a, as a society? Because, you know, it's not, if there were 50 firms like this competing, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but there's probably what? There's probably three. Maybe there's not even three. I'm talking about something I don't know nothing about here, but Mr. Weber does. But he, last time he explained to me when we were driving in, he goes, no, there's like these two or three companies are more powerful than you'll ever know. And so they know everything that everybody does everywhere and get like 3 to 5% of every transaction? That's kind of a lot, Kevin. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Well, I mean, they don't get to keep it all, though. There's, there's a couple of ways that this works. But one of the things, and ATMs work the same way in, in, in their own way. Um, but it, it, there's a there's an interchange fee that um, that gets settled out every month, and so if you're a card issuer, you get paid. Uh, well, if, if you're if you're if you're if the merchant is yours, if the the business is yours, then you get paid a certain amount when a card gets used at that, and you get charged a certain amount when the car the cards you issue. Get used in certain places, and if it gets, you know, if card you issued gets used at one of your merchants, then it nets out. And all of this is tracked, and it's just little bitty, you know, it's little bitty fees um, that are uh, that are skimmed off all the time. There's an accounting for it, and then at the end they say it's a net. You either owe us money as a card issuer or as a uh, a merchant, um, you know, a merchant bank or a merchant organization. Uh, or you, uh, uh, and, and it gets drawn out of your uh, operating account, or you get money and you get it deposited in. So it, it doesn't all go back to the people doing the servicing, is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, plus, I don't like the idea of ju- just like our interest rates, okay, uh, when we have uh, the, the big firms, well, not anymore, but uh, well, maybe they're still big firms borrowing at 3%. And the Fed talking about how much they help the economy, keeping the rates so low, which is total BS. Uh, they help some people, not others. I mean, if you and I went out to remodel a house, we're probably using our credit cards at whatever, 18%, 24 So they didn't help us at all. Uh, but, if, you know, if you were big enough to be a, uh, you know, somebody who could borrow for 500 houses, you're probably paying, you know, 3% or something. Well, that, that's that's not exactly right. There's big differences in these fees, Kevin. So the, the Cubs probably are able to get a one percent fee or half a one percent or less. Or you less. know, that, I'm, I'm sure they get way less than that. But whereas, or or a, or a Walmart or a, you know whomever. Whereas, um, you know, uh, the, the local hot dog stands probably paying two and a half percent. Yeah, which is I don't know that those are uh, are those are those justified. I mean. How much cheaper is it for somebody to put it in his computer at Walmart versus at you know at uh, Matt Burns hot dog stand? I, I, I bet it it's isn't other than the fixed cost of having it, but the uh, but it's it's negotiation power is what it is. By the way, I do have confirmation uh, from our listener Joe that you can pay cash on the uh, Indiana toll road. So thank you, Joe, for saving me the trouble of jumping on the toll road just to do research for stocks and jocks. Yeah, and what if you ran out of gas out there? Then you'd have to call a AAA after all that stuff. Try and send us a bill, you know. It's not, the, it's not the bill, and it's the collected. Remember that. Yeah, got it. Um, so, hey, what's going on with uh, what, what are the the talks in school about? Um, I, w- I was talking about you the other day when I was saying I'm listening to these union negotiations. The two or three strikes there aren't very many around, but 
and people are trying to jam six and seven percent raises down employers' throats, and, and employers are offering three. I'm <laughs> thinking inflation's like twelve. Uh, are, are, are we guaranteeing our people another three years of recession, or what? I think we're virtually guaranteed that. Yeah, it's uh, in, in fact, you know, now you're starting to see the hours get cut. Um, that people who were uh, working a lot of overtime hours are not getting the overtime anymore. So they're they're seeing a uh, um, uh, uh, in, in gross dollars they're seeing a pay cut anyway. Where are you, where are you seeing, Kevin? I've been watching. Uh, it, it's bounced back a little bit the last couple of days, and maybe will again today. But the the transportation average is taking a a tre- tremendous hit. I mean, like in uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll kick it up here. I'm going to say the uh, where's my graph? It was sixteen thousand seven fifty at the beginning of April, and it got down to let's say fourteen five, sort of where it is now. So we're talking about two thousand points. It's a thirteen percent move in in what half a month? <coughs> um, you know, we're out getting into Dow theories and stuff, which I'm not all that expert at, but that is a tremendous move in an average that usually we're not talking about. High tech or anything like this. I mean, we're talking. Uh, well, there's the, there's a couple airlines in there, but basically, it's your your trucking and your railroads and stuff. Well, there's three airlines and there's a bunch of trucking companies. There's, um, uh, you know, uh, a, f- a few railroads that are left. Uh, but it's that that's been the most relentless drubbing I've seen in, in an index like that in really quite a while. And my my brother was listening to the you know some other station other than the CME. He goes, yeah, they're, they're interviewing guys here and they're saying. Business is down eight ten percent across the board. What's what's causing that? Do you have any idea? Just for transportation in general. Well, I mean, I mean, must be talking about car loadings and truck loadings. I mean, uh, there still looks like there's you know backups at some of the ports. I mean, I would not have guessed that, but sure, the, but the market's still t- sure telling you that. And, uh, and like Dan was saying, yeah, there's been guys on here that are heads of trucking companies saying all of a sudden their business is uh, is dropped five ten percent like out of the blue. Right? I can't put my finger on why that is. I mean, can you? Well, it, it, I, I am. I, I can only speculate, but it, it's probably a combination of things. One is, uh, is you are start, starting to see demand slow down, so they're not getting as many uh, loads to take or many uh, partial loads to take. So that that's a problem. And remember, if you know, if you're a, uh, um, an, a uh, you know what I, what I mean when I say an LTL shipper, uh, less than a load. Yeah. Yeah, so you know those uh, those kind of shippers, you're still going to be running your trucks, but you're going to be running them. Uh, you know, if, if you if you can't fill them, but you still need to run them because you want to keep your customers, uh, then then you're you're running at a lower profit on those. Um, and and if you're talking about full loads, that's that's an early indicator that the economy is slowing down, that people are buying less, and people are responding to inflation by uh, by curtailing what they buy, and then so what's getting the source. From the other side of it, because the supply networks are so gorped up, um, there are things that are just not getting getting to us to distribute, and so that's a problem. Um, is that getting so, better? You know, I think I think I think you see it from both sides. Uh, as far as industrial halls, you know, I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, well, you're uh, you know, when that's when you say the right. Am I familiar with what that? Is but that's what I did. Well. <laughs> By the oh, okay. graduate school, that's what that's what most of your your trucking companies. I was I was with Illinois California Express, right? Well, Dan was there before me, my brother, because uh, the guy who was who ran the place was our next door neighbor, two doors down. So 
That's how we got our trucking jobs. Uh, but that's essentially what most of the trucking stuff was in those days. I mean, if you could get a, a company where it's an entire load of your stuff, I mean, that's, that's gravy, Kevin. I mean, compared to the, I mean, these guys had, there was a, there was a well, lot. Well, and, and inbound to a distribution center is usually going to be a full load. Yeah. Well, uh, of, of the same thing. And then outbound from the distribution center is going to be, say, say it's the, say it's the Walmart distribution center. You know, it's just it's just going to cross dock it. It's going to go back out according to what each store needs. But you're going to, you know, you see the, the Walmart trucks driving around the area, going from store to store, and they're going to unload several pallets worth of stuff at one store, and then they're going to move on to the next store and unload several more pallets worth, and uh, and that's how it goes. But the inbound to that distribution center probably was a full uh, a full load of product that then got split up and sent back out. Oh, absolutely, we were. There's a certain logic to this, Kevin. You, you think there's there's no logic to this stuff, but there's a little bit. Well, if you if you work the twelve to eight shift, it's more than anybody needs to know, probably, which is what I did. The the over the road truck came in from Phoenix or Denver, and you, they'd say, "Here's your truck, door twelve, and they give you a huge stack of bills of lading, right? And on the, every one of the bills of lading would tell you what door that that particular thing went. You know, be it. Uh, you know, it could have been anything. It could be TVs. It could be you know anything you possibly ship was on that truck. Maybe even an aircraft engine you need, which you better you needed, which I couldn't lift. Let's just say that could be barrels of stuff. Could be anything. So you 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 looked at the stuff. You matched up the bill of lading. Either put it on a cart or got a forklift and you transferred it over to this other truck. Now the other truck, they were the city trucks. They ran around. They made the deliveries during the day to the various people. You know, by the way picked up stuff from there to go somewhere else. So those guys showed up at 5 o'clock in the, the 6 to 12 shift, put those on the over-the-road trucks, they take off at 12, and they bring the other guys back back them up, and that's when I started. So there was a, a like what you're saying, so there's, there's a serious logic to this whole mess. It was all handwritten in those days, but and you had to have good eyesight because there was no light. And you had to read the damn thing in the middle of the truck. But uh, I'd have trouble with that today, I think, just saying, not to mention lifting all the boxes. Just saying. But uh, yep. you were in shape, but I never got quite used to the, the lunch at four a.m. thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. And just don't call it lunch, and you'll feel, you'll feel better about it. So they had, they had a newspaper from the from the uh, all the truck guys. Guess what the uh, the obituaries was 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 titled? What's that? Silent Wheels. <laughs> Which is true, right? I mean. Uh, but those guys, man, they just went back and forth to Denver, those drivers. I mean, every bump in I-80 had to be emblazoned in there behind at some point. Um, so what do you think? Are we are we ever going to come to grips with what's actually causing all this stuff and, and, and fix it, or are we just going to keep talking about it? No, we know. It's Putin. We're yeah, good. Well, God, thank God Putin came along. We can blame everything on him, huh? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. And plus, it's, you know, it's it's the Putin price hike. It's alliterative to, go, to boot. Yeah, hey. Uh, and and the, the question is, do you know anybody who's buying that? Oh, I know. Well, hey, uh, we're no show Friday because it's, it's good Friday, but I want to talk to you. I should have turned on it today. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Angelica, some of the stuff she's telling us. Man, the people getting killed over in Ukraine, it's, these graves are fine. It, it is really something. I mean, she's been... Yeah, it, it really yeah. is. Um, you know what? And, and that would make a great conversation, and, and I know we don't have time to do it today. But, let's you know, if you started to run out scenarios, what are the scenarios that make the most sense for the United States. Is it for, you know, to, to try and have Putin be complete, you know, and Russia be completely defeated? Is it to, 
settle this? Is it to negotiate a settlement? I mean, the, the, you know, negotiating a settlement obviously makes sense if you're uh, if you want to get some of the like oil markets flowing back to normal again. Uh, you know, th- those kinds of things uh, would be really important. Whereas, uh, you know, geopolitically, as far as the chess game goes, uh, a defeat for Putin would also be a defeat for China uh, because they've more or less, sil- you know, quietly but have sided with the Russians. And so, you know, it, it, as you start to think about it, we talked last time about national interest. You know, what is the outcome that would be best for the U.S.? I don't know. That we, interesting question and an interesting thing to debate. We got we got a date. You're, you're right about that. Also, the hate meter is so high. I don't know that there's any negotiating here. The hate meter is off the chart. The Ukraine's well. Right yeah, I, I understand that, and you know that's that's for the parties who are involved. And yes, it's a it's a huge issue because nobody wants to sit at the table and shake hands with the other side at the end of something. No, not with, not with Grandma's blood on yours. Uh, SP futures up six. Nancy futures up thirty seven. Kevin will miss you Friday. Have a nice Easter. Um, we'll talk at you next week. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something. Hello, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom. Mr. Matt Burn on the board. SP futures up seven. As if he's up thirty-seven, we're leaking a little bit here. We also got J.P. Morgan now down three sixty-nine after their. Uh, earnings. They took a big charge for allegedly uh, uh, Moscow-related stuff. I don't know how detailed they became on that, but not very much in the article I read. But we have Mr. Russell. 
What's going on? What's going on? Everything. Happy, we get, happy we get, Wednesday. Yeah, happy Wednesday to you. Are you? Uh, spend- I, I want to solve the last thing you guys were talking about. There is no good outcome. Period. I think that's conclusion. We all if three get, of us. If have. they get beat, you know, they, they end up with an isolated North, like a big North Korea that that you know you're scared of all the time. Um, if we let them win, there there are like you got to start worrying about the Balkans and all these other places, even though they're part of NATO. There is no good out for this thing. So there. I'd say that, with that. What do you want to talk about? I'd say <laughs> the, the Polish people are definitely in the, not in the let them win category because they think oh, they're gosh, next. No. They think they're next. Oh yeah, no, and they're um, the cool thing is they're preparing big time just in case. Yeah. Which is nice. Instead of just, you know, I think they've got lessons learned from the past. But what do you I think? Saw uh, where, where they're just they have like kind of their own version of the national guard with volunteers, and like everybody is signing up in Poland right now. Well, what what do you think? Uh, actually, I had a long talk with uh, our man Lou on the phone last week because, uh, like everybody was saying, uh, Angelica is is looking to have um, obviously looking to have people support. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, what's going on in, in Ukraine, and uh, Lou is just giving me some thoughts on uh, on what you know where you might want to send money if you did. I'm not you know pushing for anybody to do anything like that, but Angelica has a group in Poland that is doing some stuff that she's probably going to come on next week and talk about. Uh, <laughs> she can try and find out if the guy in Polish speaks enough English to come on. That that'd be nice, but if he doesn't speak English, I don't I don't speak Polish uh, anyway. Um, but uh, Lou was talking about for humanitarian uh, purposes. He thought maybe a couple of the big U- Ukrainian churches in Chicago are doing a real nice job uh, on the humanitarian stuff. And he's real big on these. Uh, Angelica was talking about you know no prescription drugs and things like that. Lou's a big supporter of uh, these Doctors Without Borders group. And I've heard of those guys. I know we uh, we didn't we miss and well allegedly miss and hit. Some of their people in Afghanistan right before we left, or something. Then we went. I don't know if Doctors Without Borders were left behind. I know. No, no, I'm talking about. I think we we a missile or something went awry and whacked oh. one of their places. Uh, yes, that did that did happen, and we have a um, we have a common friend who whose son is, is one of the doc, used to be one of the Doctors Without Borders. People, really, um, Marty Kearney. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and his son, I be- his son last I heard is somewhere in Europe. So he may actually, I should ask him about that if if, if they've moved him or anything. Because I know he finally got to go over and see his grandchild for the first time uh, since COVID started recently. Marty was a he was a PTI employee. He was one of my. Uh, I, well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> I didn't know how deep into it you wanted to get. No, he's a terrific but, guy. I'm he was. I'm aware of that. I made my first trade on the trading floor with Marty. Oh, did you? Yeah. How much, he, how much did he take from you? Um, I walked into the pit, and Marty said everybody should have their first trade should be a winner. So I made a market, and he uh, sold me something at one and an eighth, and uh, bought it back for me at one and a quarter, or one let. Wasn't that nice? Wasn't that very nice? Now today he is one of the best. He is one of the best people in the world. Uh, now, of course, if you it weren't for if, if it weren't for Marty, I would not be talking to you right now. Well, you know what? If he now what? We'd both go to jail for that? Uh, no. <laughs> For the, no, he uh, no, uh, he he he's the person that hired me at Sebo to be a, to work the education division. No, I'm saying for for the trade where he essentially gave me an eighth. Oh, 
those trades would uh-huh. be like we'd go to jail for oh, the, the, you collude you colluded and prearranged to trade yeah yeah bad on you yeah bad we're bad boys uh uh yeah it's a uh, hey uh I'm going to ship you I'm going to find out a way to scan it because uh, I'm trying I'm, I'm I'm going to invite this economist uh monetarist guy on the show if I can find him Hillsdale okay. College or someplace someplace out east he's at and he oh, and he's okay. got this uh uh, pamphlet that if um, if he allows you to use it, I would really I mean, and in any class you have because it's not all that a long right? it's not like a whole course I would use that for a, a two day class anywhere it's uh, uh, it has to do with like a brief history of inflation and monetary policy in the US and what causes it and that kind of things and you know what, mm-hmm. it is spectacular it's everything you and I have talked about but more articulate with some of the histories and the dates and things like that, and uh, and he was uh, and I've been kind of talking about it, but I was kind of waiting for you to go into it a little heavier. But in the first paragraph, he starts out just like you and I talk about all the time. He says, "The first thing you have to understand is money is a good just like anything else. It it has and it, and it derives its value from its scarcity, just like booze, just like corn, just like everything, right?" and uh, and he says that once you understand that, the rest of it sort of flows. If there's too much of it, but he he really goes into a an in depth thing uh, talking about countries that are at war and how you finance the wars and how how inflationary wartime can be or not be. And he says it basically comes down no matter how you do it. There's and you and I both of us have said this. If you're going to spend money as a government, there's three ways you can do it. One is you can tax for it. Two is you can borrow it from people. And three is you print it. And the relationship between the three determines how inflationary things are. Because the more money you put in, the more inflationary everything gets, and you kind of screw stuff up. And he went on to, I did not realize, he went through a dissertation regarding the North and the South Civil War, and he said this probably won the war as much as people, is that the North evidently had a pretty good economy. They were able to raise taxes... Uh, they had, uh, what, excise taxes, which on then, I don't know what those would have been, and tariffs was basically how the federal government was financed back in those days, right? There was no real, I don't think there was an income tax of any kind, was there? I mean, I don't know, not no. even, a, not even a, a sneaky one. And they, they were able to raise, they only had a, for the budget increases for the war, they only printed money for like 12% to 15% of that money. So, which were the greenbacks. So you, you had inflation in the north. But it was yeah. the, it was in the eleven to fifteen percent range, which for wartime, he says, really wasn't bad at all. And at the end of the war, it only took a few years to go back on the gold standard and, and drag the greenbacks back out and basically fix the whole thing. He says, in the South, mm-hmm. on the other hand, the economy was is was like less than what Massachusetts or something. And so he said they really didn't have any import stuff tariffs, so they couldn't really increase those. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there wasn't a whole lot of people you could borrow money from, so they printed money to the tune of forty to fifty percent of the expenditures, which means yeah. the inflation rate in the South was like forty percent, in the North it was like ten or eleven percent, to where the Confederate money was worth nothing, damn near. He said that the, the just that lesson there should just be applied, you know, you know. So today, it's not that the government has decided to spend. You know, a trillion dollars on COVID or, or roads or whatever the hell it is, it's that they're unwilling to tax or borrow for the money. It's much easier just to print it. And yeah. once you do that, 
the no, he goes, the numbers always come out the way they come out. If you, if you print 20% of it, it's a 20% inflation number. No matter how far back you go to the, even we had some stuff in there about the Romans. How the, the silver coins were all the oh, same, they, you know, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they started, they, they changed the metal content in coins. Yeah. You know, and shaved them down and everything else. Yeah, and they, a lot of people believe that was, uh, that was one of the things that contributed to their demise. Well, and the strong currency. There are a lot of parallels between what's going on with us right now and what happened back then. I had a, uh, had a teacher back in high school that talked about how the, and this was, keep in mind, this is my biology teacher. I don't know why she went off on this tangent. But, uh, I just remember her talking about how, uh, the moral decay of the Roman Empire was one of the things that contributed to it as well, uh, and that you could sort of see it happening in the United States. I really don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but you do see it going on in the United States. Well, I mean, it's more than just the, know, the moral you know, decay. It had to do with... The, norms, the, norms of behavior and stuff are just completely different. Well, they, they, they went yeah. from... Uh, one of the, I was uh, got one of the, I had a question from one of the listeners a few years ago. And it had to do with uh, welfare systems, and I don't know. I don't know what got me. This, this is something you would do, Russell. Uh, I don't know what got me. I think it was like a four inches of snow on a Saturday morning, and I couldn't go out for coffee, couldn't do anything. So I just sat there and I got on a computer. I started doing the history of, of welfare, and I got into oh. the, the the Roman dole. The, I mean, uh, it got to the point where in the city. Uh, in the city of Rome, I mean, obviously most people there didn't have farms or anything. I don't know. If what kind of jobs were around, but but every day you got a certain amount of grain, right? It was called the dole. Yeah. And uh, you guys, we when in high school I took Latin, and there were movies where guys were on the side of the street pounding on, on, on something on, increase the dole. <laughs> of course, the, our whole class thought that was a riot, right, as our freshman year in high school. And there's all these idiots out there, increase the dole, which is sort of like what we're doing now. <laughs> increase, yeah. you know, sort of the same thing. Well, it, it got to the point where None of the Romans ever fought any battles anymore, right? They they, they paid all the guys in the provinces to go fight. So your yeah, your connection. And then they gave them yeah. citizenship. Yeah, so your connection between put them on the doll. Yeah, so your connection between the <laughs> army and the and the and the populace became less and less. I'm not saying that's bad or good. I'm just saying when all those things started to happen, Rome was a very different place in a couple hundred years than it was before where people actually were farmers, did stuff, and oh, by the way, we're in the army for a while, and, and knew what it was like, and it was a, just a whole different, I won't say moral fiber, but something. So it was just different. You, maybe you got a better word for it. Yeah. And we're and we're not that far off of that here. I, I don't think. No, we're not, unfortunately. The, uh... I, what, what is your... Not, not, not fun conversation first thing in the morning, but no, it, it, it things don't feel very good. No, you know, I mean, and it's very, it's very difficult to be, you know, bullish on much of anything over the next. I'd say, I, I think long term, like everything else, will come out of the current situations, and that's another thing is it's plural. Uh, I think it will come out of it okay. We always have, but sometimes it takes a while. I mean, the seventies were, you know, you are you're older than I am, but I, I grew up during the seventies, and you know, went through. Uh, you know, my family declaring bankruptcy and moving out of a house into a little crime. We, we were 
I guess my I guess my parents were living check to check, and then one of the checks stopped coming in, and we were in a lot of trouble. Um, but I went from one extreme, one pretty nice nice lifestyle to a pretty difficult one for the rest of my childhood. Um, and my family never really did. My parents never really did recover from the seventies. Oh, I, I can understand that. It, yeah, yeah, and and it and it lasted. It was probably like a decade of uh, very difficult times for everybody, and we may be at the very beginning of that. Yeah, I don't... Uh, and, uh, and and back then, what did we do? Did we blame Saudi Arabia? And, uh, you know, who, did, who who are we pointing the outward finger at? Because that's what we're doing now as well. We're not saying that we did anything to make things worse, that, you know, this is the result of stuff that we don't really have a lot of control over. At least that's what, what the TV narrative is, but that's not the reality. Well, you, you do ask yourself, and, and I don't remember. You know, and I was too young to remember, but I assume in the seventies that we were um, not necessarily taking all the blame ourselves. You know, because that's not what politicians do. Well, the, the inflation was the dirty Arabs with the oil embargo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we that, and then toward the end of the seventies, we had the you know, the the probably the first big significant thing in my lifetime uh, was the hostage crisis with Iran, where they kept yeah. our people for. About a year and a half. I yeah, it was a while. Yeah. Well, you know, you you, you uh, do uh, you do wonder uh, when when you're when you're younger the, the how much the difference between now I I had a uh, well I, w- I wasn't didn't have the world's best gig when my my uh, dad died when I was four so my brother was mm-hmm. nine months so it wasn't like you know the backs of cherry sort of thing but my uh, my mother married another fellow and uh, he was never rich but always had a pretty good job always got a promotion really was never laid off so she never had to work and we we uh we had nice catholic education but it was it was real cheap uh the money we got she got from the government which was like 100 hours a month in those days she saved and that was my notre dame education i paid all the rest and she paid the tuition same thing for my brother but it was only three grand a year you know so you could save up and and do that stuff so it was a whole different program i bought books and and did all my, you know, any beer was on me, <laughs> that kind of thing. I never, yep. never once in four years said, "Hey, can you can you spare twenty? I need to go out for a beer." I, I never once did that ever. And uh, you, know, you, you weren't on TV holding up the big sign that said, "Mom, send money." No, you know, nobody does that anymore. Have you noticed that? No, I, I don't want to. I don't want to stand it. Yeah. Why? Why would <laughs> you do that? You got your credit card. All they do is put money yeah. in your in your. They just put money in your debit card. Um. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I, I don't think anybody in my family is listening, but. Um, I, both my daughters had a dance last weekend, and both of them have a credit card that I allow them to use periodically for expenses. Um, it, they 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 used it for the dance. For a lot of things, for because I can see online what they did. It was like, uh, you know, got our nails done, got new dresses. Uh, for some reason, I seem to be paying for uh, their corsages and the guys' corsages as well. Uh, well, you might have nice ones. Uh, <laughs> you might have nice ones. <laughs> so, yeah, there's no more. There's no more mom send money anymore. It's uh, mom add to my, uh, you know, add to my. Uh, I forgot what we call it here at Indiana. But well, you know, it's, my, it's a my you know, crimson card account. We don't. We don't want to. We don't want to do a, a yeah, sexist on the show. Try not to be a male chauvinist oinker. But it is funny. My uh, Audrey's got like a lot of a lot of lady friends, and it's a great group. Uh, and they all have nieces and stuff, and it is it is it is so funny that even at uh, uh, even though the world wants people to be able to change sexes and by the day and all kinds of stuff, 
to say that there aren't like differences. If you get the 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 boys, you, you're going to go to a ball game. You're going to go out and play catch. You do something. Mm-hmm. Well, the girls. I mean, their their idea of, of of girl play is to go shop and do lunch and go out and shop again. They they learn how to shop at a younger age. Yeah, you know, not like the guys don't go out and buy stuff. They do, but but it, right, it's it's right. it's 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 the right of bonding. And you know what? They have a great time, and God love them. I mean, it's a everybody, everybody just everybody should do what they want to do if they can, you know. But but I, I never really n- noticed uh, back to where uh, since my stepfather. I mean, it, we're, they never we were, we were in the little bungalow, you know. So you know, we got a little bit bigger house, where you got a little more money, but nothing major. And, uh, my mom always had a car, the second car. So, I mean, in terms yeah. of, of the, of the, the world, we never had the deal where my stepfather came home and said, hey, guess what? The place got sold and I'm out, you know, type of thing. He was, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so we, we never had that even for a week. You know, the idea that somebody was laid off for, you know, and obviously the, when I worked at Pullman, people there were laid off a lot when they didn't have business and back. We never had to yeah. go through that. It was but, very cyclical. It was always, you know, if you were an iron worker, you know, you better work your fanny off in the summer and get all the overtime you could because, guess what? In January, you were home and out getting paid. So, I mean, I, I never had a, I never had to suffer through that, uh, which, you know, we never had to worry about, you know, the dad at home being pissed off because he's not working, maybe drinking. I mean, I, we never had a, I never had that problem. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, another couple of guys did where they had to move and out of high school and things. And, um, so yeah. I mean, but the, the, the thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way, uh, Russell, with the people that we we hire to do this, and, okay. and I know that you know politicians. Even though we had a dude on yesterday that I was really impressed with, uh, I know that somehow or another the the skill set to get the job isn't necessarily the skill set you want in the job. Now, no, no, not at all. And that, I mean, uh, it, you remember Joe versus the volcano? Yeah, yeah. Wonderful movie. It's the very beginning, or there's one scene where uh, Tom Hanks walking back in the office, and his boss is on the phone going, I know he can get the job, but can he do the job? He just keeps saying that over and over yeah. again. And every time I'm thinking about what it takes to be elected to office, I, that, I, I think of that scene. Well, I, uh... You know, it's, it, it's not... If when when we're hiring a president, which is what we are doing, I don't think we really. I don't think the majority of voters really look at you know hiring this person to have their best interest in the next four years. Well, I think they do. Well, maybe, it's a maybe they do, and the best interests are very short sighted. Like you know, um, I'm going to get my student loan debt cut in half or something like that, as opposed to. Uh, I, 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 I think Hillary Clinton did the 3 a.m. phone call thing. That the who do you want taking the call with the experience in the middle of the night? Yeah, uh, when she was running against Obama, which didn't you know didn't help her, uh, didn't help her enough. But there's a lot of logic behind that. I think that was you know a, a very good point. And I don't know why she didn't use that commercial against Trump. Yeah, I don't either. I. Uh... You know, I mean, because it made more sense against him than than Obama. Um, I don't know. Maybe she was trying to be more positive or whatever. Well, but, we we're uh, into this, or thing. maybe because of the Benghazi thing, they didn't want to bring that up. Well, we're we're into you know, now, that, now. that I think that through. There, there's a he did get the three a.m. call and she butchered it. There's a there's a dumbing down of a. It appears to me and, and some. Well, what I was about to say, I have three things to say here, so I'm, I'm, I'll start stacked up because you always get that to me. 
Or we were talking. I know what I'm doing. I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest not to. Uh, well, that's what happened in my interview yesterday with the mayor. I done. I for the first time, I did so much research. I had so many questions, and I'm sitting. Around, I only got a half hour. What am I going to do? <laughs> anyway, uh, but I uh, here's here's what I the dumbing down. I was reading a thing the other day about uh, Churchill and Truman, and uh, and the, the the question was uh, why? What did Churchill think of Truman? Because he basically was a bumpkin from from Missouri, or you could you could think he was that anyway. And uh, the, the guy who answered the question said, you know, don't underestimate the school system in the 2010-2020 era. When you got out of there, you knew how to add, subtract, you knew how to read, and you had an appreciation for history. And most people, a lot of people came out of there and just continued to read. So Harry Truman mm-hmm. probably, maybe maybe he graduated from high school, maybe he didn't, I don't even know. He goes, but the fact is, the guy was one of the most m- well-read people around. I mean, he was no dummy at all on virtually mm-hmm. any subject. So but what I don't, when I see people that are elected right now, and, and even to be perfectly blunt, some of the people on TV that are supposedly economists or think they are, uh, I don't under, This stuff that we're talking about, we're, I mean, you and I love this stuff. So it's not surprising you and I would know ridiculously uh, that, the, that the Romans shaved their coins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I mean, no, but I, but uh, but anybody I put in the Federal Reserve, anybody I put in the governor's office or a guy helping the White House, better know what happened in the seventies. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, it doesn't take much, especially in this day and age. You don't have to go to your library. Our, our current president lived through it. Yeah. Wasn't he in Congress back then? Yeah, and he, he's the one that said, yeah. and he's an anti-monetarist. He's convinced that back in those days, it wasn't mm-hmm. the Fed; it was the Arabs. He's out of his yeah. friggin' mind. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, well, yeah. What mind? Uh, you know, I'm not. Well, I shouldn't say that, but, but my point is, is that this is not that long ago. I mean, earlier in the week, I'm sure you had something better to do than listen. But I was going through the numbers on median houses in 2007 and where the median house price was and where the median salary was and how you got to a point at 235,000 bucks that 85% of your population could not afford the median the median home and that that was the real reason of the housing collapse only exacerbated by the stuff that quote caused it the the uh, Japanese money and the mortgages the, and the, the, the piled upon mortgage stuff and the, all those kinds of things but the real reason was most people could not afford their own home and mm-hmm. and now we've gone from 235 to the median house now is just just hit 400,000 actually it's 406 so that's up 235 to 400 is what 60% it's up 60% yeah, about, about now, now I'm going to say that the eighty-five thousand, that would mean if you stay stayed even, the average the just to be the fifteen percent number, which wasn't very good, would have to you'd have to be making one hundred thirty thousand this today. And I'm going to say, off the top of my head, nine percent of the population makes eight to nine percent of the population makes one hundred thirty thousand dollars or more. You think I'm wrong? No, I don't. I, I, I would. I, if you if you ask me what percent. Six figures, I would say somewhere between ten and twenty percent. So no, I don't think you're wrong at all. So, how is it? This was this was fifteen years ago. Anybody who's thirty five should remember this. Not just be able to have to read about it. They should remember. How have we allowed 
us to get in the exact same trip bag, only worse, 15 years later? Well, I mean, even the people that recognize it, you know, like you and me, uh, and this, this sounds terrible, but what exactly can we do about it? Uh, that, brings me to, that brings me to another whole question for you. I mean, because we don't even have, we don't even have a, you, you say, well, you can, you know, exercise your voice and vote. Well, that doesn't really do that much good. Uh, don't, the, the, choi- the choices are pretty awful. Don't get me started. If you, one of these days I we should. Don't, we don't have a good choice right now. We really don't. I mean, we, we didn't this past election. I just don't. I mean, I I was a Trump guy and, and yeah, I was, I was, I was Trump for two reasons. I, I really wanted to see non-political people become more involved in the political process. I didn't think he would be great, but I was hoping that people with more real-world experience would be willing to try to run for president. And um, and we would have fewer lifelong bureaucrats like Hillary Clinton. I mean, she did most of her career within, in government. And, either, and, and I count being first lady as being in government. Uh, especially the way that she did it, because she was pretty active. Um, I was hoping, I, I really, that, that was my, my thing, but I was kind of excited that non, you know, maybe we were opening this thing up to where people with real-world experience, like, and, and I was thrilled when Howard Schultz, um, I think that's his name, the CEO of Starbucks, when he was going to run. I, I thought that, and he got shouted down so badly, saying that he was going to slip the vote and help Trump get reelected, that he just stepped away from the thing. Uh, and that's because he wasn't going the traditional route. But yeah, I just say that that was my big hope with him, and I think we just reverted right back. If anything, we swung right back to the extreme yeah. with well, Joe Biden, who I don't think ever had a job outside of uh, being an elected. We got we got a dash to break here, but I yeah. uh, by the way, I'm very close to you on this. I wanted I definitely wow. wanted somebody from the outside. I just never wanted Trump. I never could stand him, man. SP futures. Now down five, Nasdaq figures down two. Boy, we didn't hold this really very long. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading options ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. 
PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. Mr. Uh, Matt Byrne on the board. Producer prices, uh, 11.2% from a year ago. I got them, uh, month on month at, uh, at 1%, which is kind of where it was, so. I'm going to say that's 12, not 11.2, but close enough. SP futures are unchanged now with this number that came out. Uh, NASDAQ futures down to up 23, sorry. So we're still trying to make it to the upside here, even though we were down negative when we went to break. Uh, we've got the Dow futures down 36. Uh, biggest mover there is, uh, is JP Morgan is, is down, uh, actually, well, yeah, they're down 511. So this is the low I've seen. So they, they took a hit allegedly because of Russian stuff. Uh, again, I've not read the elaboration on that. If I, if I say it, I'll talk about it tomorrow. We're in Asia. Very mixed bag. Nikkei up 508. One, that's almost 2%. Now they were down a bunch. Shanghai down 26.8%. Hang Seng recovering a little bit because they've been down really for the last year. Up 55 points, 0.3%. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 128. Now it's 0.9%. A FTSE down 7. That's almost unchanged. It's very strange there. The DAX down so much. Kek around down 49, it's 0.7%. So down uh, heavy to mild over in Europe. Uh, yesterday, the Dow was down 87, S&P futures down 15, NASDAQ down 40 after being up really all day, all morning for sure, and slid in the afternoon. Uh, bonds up one basis point, 2.74. Bund up two basis points, 0.81. Japan unchanged at 0.24. Oil back over 100 bucks, up a dollar nine to 101.69. Ran up a buck thirty-six to one hundred six dollars. Natural gas up twenty cents now, six eighty-eight. It's going to be seven dollars tomorrow. That that's unreal. That'll be up like fifty percent in a couple of weeks. Our Bob up three cents, uh, three three uh, eighteen. We've got gold up three bucks, nineteen seventy-nine. Still chugging toward that two thousand. Very slow, but chugging toward two thousand. Silver up twelve cents, twenty-five eighty-five. Copper down two cents, four sixty-eight. And we have crypto up two twenty-seven now to thirty-nine thousand. 709, but under 40,000, obviously. Matt, what do you have for us, Travi Weather Sports? Yeah, currently 7.35 a.m. on April 13th, 2022. Let's get you into sports real quick. Yesterday, Cubs beat Pittsburgh Pirates 2-1, and a White Sox victory against uh, Seattle Mariners 3-1. Both Cubs and Sox are back today to play again. In the NHL, Blackhawks lose to L.A. Kings 2-5, and the Coyotes are beaten by the New Jersey Devils 2-6. That's all for sports. In weather in Chicago, mostly cloudy, rain later in the morning, 
66 degrees, a high of 69, and a low of 38. Phoenix, clear skies, 49 degrees, high of 75, and a low of 49. Traffic in Chicago, uh, traffic eastbound the Eisenhower between Wolf Road and Kastner. After that, slow down from Independence all the way to downtown. Traffic westbound the Eisenhower between Laramie all the way to First. Traffic eastbound the Kennedy between Cumberland and Lawrence, and again at Addison all the way to downtown. Traffic westbound the Kennedy between West Montrose and West Bryn Mawr. Heavy traffic eastbound down the Dan Ryan between West Pershing all the way to downtown. Traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Harlem and South Kedzie. Traffic northbound on the Lakeshore between East 18th Street and East Jackson. And finally, traffic southbound on the Lakeshore between Lower Randolph and East Balbo. So we got Chief, back to you. The uh, interesting move with this PPI number, I mean, these, these numbers are, getting, are pretty darn high here. Uh, and they're still using this 11.2% from a year ago. Russell, do you guys... Do you guys take the current month one and, and multiply it by 12 like we always used to, or, do you, or do you, are you into this year-over-year year thing because everybody's telling you to think that way? Uh, we got to be thinking the year-over-year year way because everything's so chunky. Chunky. So. <laughs> There's such a difference between the, you know between a year ago and, and where we are. What the monthly number was in May, which or it was reported in May, uh, versus where we are right now, so I think you have to you have to use their year over year number. I want you to know before class started, undergraduate class started yesterday. One of my students said, "Do you believe that eight point five percent CPI number, or is it BS?" And he used the full word there. You'd be very proud that I've been teaching them <laughs> that that you know the government. I own. He, he, and and he, he asked me, he said, "What do you think it really is?" I said, "I think it's more like fifteen percent." Well, one point so, three, one point three was the number real yesterday. Is, you know, so. By the way, one point three was the number yesterday. One point three times twelve was fifteen point six. So you're pretty, you're pretty much right on. But but it's not. I mean, the, if you look at the estimates, it, it, it the expectation is that the annual number is going to get down to about five percent by the end of the year. I don't know if I agree with that expectation, but that's. That's the belief. So, if you multiply it by twelve, you got to believe that that we're going to have the same number for the next eleven months. Uh, no, I'm just saying what it was last uh, month. No, we, I know. we talked last week. I actually think that we are peaking right now, but we're peaking right where I thought we were going to peak, fifteen or sixteen percent, and we'll slide down a little bit, but we're not going to go down to five. Why would anybody think that? Money supply was. Still I don't think there. that, but because um, they're, I don't know, because they're too bullish, or because historically it's been we've never had, or historically at least in most people's near-term memory, uh, we haven't had you know, a situation where the uh, inflation held up like this for more than just two, three months. But when the number continues to remain elevated, and you got to assume, just if the PPI was up this much and they're going to take that stuff and turn it into stuff for people, that that's going to feed through to the CPI one way or another, isn't it? Well, the, the money in the last numbers we have are the February numbers, yeah. which actually showed a, a de- decrease in M2 down to f- about 5%. So that's the first cheery thing I've seen. But up until Jan- or January, it was 13, 13.5 every single month. So, yeah, I think we'll be down to... 13% or 12 by fall, but where, where is this 5 coming from? Uh, that's, no, that's just an estimate for the CPI. That's not, that's, not, yeah. that's not the reality. That's the government number. 
I'll give you a, a, a Richard Reality Judith. Reality and government numbers are two completely different things. I think maybe yeah. we were talking about two different things. I'll give you a Richard J. Daly, uh, if he was alive today, what he'd say, who are all these expectators? <laughs> Remember his quote when he said, the allegations are, and he said, who are all these alligators? <laughs> the guy had a way with the language, didn't he? <laughs> uh, he did. He did. Hey, I love him. I, uh, I don't get a chance to listen to... Uh, as we're talking a little bit about politics, I, it's, I'm even more pissed off at Trump than I should be because in my lifetime now, there'll never be somebody from the outside that gets in. He's pretty much burned that bridge, I think, uh, unfortunately. And I've been really hoping for somebody from the outside like you forever, uh, especially if you live in my district where half the people you vote for, they're unopposed. It's like it's like going to vote in Russia, for God's sake. I mean, uh, anyway. Uh, but anyway, the, the gentleman yesterday, and it is, was odd, the, the mayor, I mean, most people who... Here's a, it's a, a gross overstatement. Most people who run for rep are people that have been successful, maybe locally, this or that, uh, and, and have pretty good ideas. They want to do some stuff. I'm going to say most people are pretty darn good. Uh, you know, they, they run in their 30 to 35 range. I mean, Keith is, I'm going to say 50-ish. I don't really know how old he is, but I'm guessing he's about there, at least mid-40s. Has a nice family. He's been mayor. He's been in charge. I asked him, I said, why do you think, I mean, what are you, what are you doing? I mean, basically is what I asked him, uh, which I'm not so sure he wanted to hear, but he was very, he said in his estimation, uh, Russell, he's sort of surveyed the field, and he thinks a real lot of good people are running for the first time on both the Republican and Democratic sides that he thinks he'll be able to work with and the 40 or 50 new people that he thinks they could get are going to be a political force year one because they'll be able to talk to each other, and they're probably from what he to people he's talked to, they're not going to put up with any of this crap where you, we just want your vote. Don't even talk to somebody over the other uh, the aisles. He almost made it sound like it was a mini little revolution or something. I mean, uh, I was I was stunned when he said that. I mean, is there a hope? Is there any hope I can believe it? Um. Well, first off, all those folks have to get elected. Yeah, well, uh, obviously. And you re- it's very difficult to get elected unless you've got the party supporting you. And unless it appears you're going to, if you've got three people running for a spot that's come open and you've got one person that the party, that's going to tow the party line and then the other guys that are talking like your guy, which would scare the party line, uh, they're going to have a hard time getting elected. <laughs> well, that's. I, that, it, it's, I mean, the 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 outlier on this one is um, AOC, who was an outsider, but she had a huge benefactor. Unless each of these it had a huge benefactor who also did her PR until about a year ago, and that's one of the reasons she she doesn't come across as, as articulate as she used to. Well, she's because also the, the, she's also the backer's gone. She's also smoking you know? hot, which doesn't hurt. No, yeah, it, I mean. The unattractive doesn't hurt at all, but um, I, you know, they're, they're they're super attractive, and and I'll put Elizabeth Holmes in this group, and then you you can just see crazy behind those eyes, and I put both of them in that group. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm I'm, ba- I'm backing off on that a little bit as I I'm trying to yeah. be more charitable, and, and I I'm trying to look back look at the uh, uh, not so much why somebody makes a really d- dumb statement. But uh, what they're seeing that makes them see the dumb statement. I, 
I'm not a, I'm not a Bernie fan at all because uh, he, uh, you know, he'll say let's let, let's get rid of all student debt uh, and by the way put a charge on uh, stock trades. Well, wait a minute, one one's a trillion some dollars. How many? How long is it going to take you? <laughs> we're, we're putting putting a, a, a fee on every stock trade to come up with a. Tr- I mean, the guy the guy his calculator always to me to seem to me to be miswired. But but it, it does yeah. but, it, but yeah. it doesn't mean that why exactly are is is uh, is Amazon borrowing at two percent and the Fed borrowing at one percent and we're making our students borrow at seven percent or six and a half? I mean, why are we scalping our own lifeblood out of people? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and after a while, I get to the point where that we're doing this on purpose. We're we're trying to make indentured servants out of our population or something. It can't it can't be. When you start doing the same thing four and five times, Russell, it's, that's why it's getting me more grumpy as I get older. The more I see it happen over and over again, I don't think it's a mistake anymore. I think it's on purpose. We want people in debt. We want people to have student debt when they go to work at some big law firm so they can never leave. They can never mouth off to their appointment. They can never say, take this job and shove it. I mean, when I, I, uh, you know, I never, I always followed my own way. I mean, it didn't, I, I would have been way better off. I just would have taken a job in a bank. Hung in there for a few yeah. mergers and been a bazillionaire now. I mean, I, I understand that, but I did it my own way. I, I traded by myself. I have people in, in the office that we do a good job for people. We don't charge that much. Has, has it been incredibly monetarily huge? No, no, it's been okay, but not. But the, uh, but the, when I when I got out of school, I I had no debts. I was paying my parents to live at home because I was working weekends and, and, you know, working during the week. So it was seven days I was working. I really didn't need my own place. Uh, so anyway, but I was never never once in a position that if, if somebody rubbed me the wrong way, I couldn't say, you know what, buddy, I'm out of here. Yeah. And uh, and I always thought that no, that I, ne- I could never get pushed around like that. I can't imagine what it would be like to have a job where you got to pay this student loan thing, this credit card thing, this... You can't. You have. You have no freedom. You're. You're. You're debt bound. Nope. And I. Yep. I don't. I don't wish that. On, I don't wish that on these kids at all. And and mm-hmm. even though Bernie can sound like a buffoon, I think he feels the same way about that. He just. He's just going about it all wrong. I think. So I. Yeah. It, 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 the, the, what's really funny is it, is you're talking about us almost being in some sort of indentured servitude. Uh, well. Look what happened. Look what's happening to the job market right now, where you don't feel like that, where the government keeps bailing you out. Uh, we've we've had what they refer to as the mass resignation, and I think I think that's part of what's going to make the economy slow down over the next two three quarters. Because uh, when you have to, I don't care, you know what the situation is. When you have to hire a new employee. They are never nearly as productive as the person that just walked out the door, or at least don't have the institutional knowledge that they do. Well, I, I and uh, we got we got a bunch of guys in. I think a lot of people that are in my my age, and, and I, there's a professor across the hall that's going to retire next year, and he'll retire at 59. And he said, you know, I I don't need to work anymore for myself. Anything else I make at this point is just intergenerational wealth, well, they can take care of themselves. I think more and more guys our age are thinking about just uh, throwing in the towel early. Yeah, but what do you do all day? And, and that, what do you do all day? I mean, I 
what do I do all day? Well, I work right now. I understand what, that. What I do all day, I got a stack of books I wish I had time to read. Oh, I, I'm I, the guy know. in the Twilight Zone. As long as my glasses don't break, I'm a happy guy. Well, I, uh, there are people that, that you know, that, that do that. But, you know, I, I was, the great resignation, I wonder, if you look at it, I, I get this microcosm of the world because I talk to all these people. Uh, there's a restaurant Audrey and I go to, and they, uh, um, Asian, not, not that that makes any difference because they're all the same way. Uh, they had a cook, and the cook quit. And uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of this great resignation is for a period of, I'm going to say, at least 20 years. If, well, more now because we're 2022. Go back to all the numbers from 2000 and how the median income for median income for a person, salary must be, because it was like 31000 And here we are 20 years later, and it's like thirty seven. Or something, you know, depending on who you look at. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, this the, the real expenses. Well, the price of houses doubled. I mean, price of cars. Have, I mean, it, it's it's you're not even close with keeping tabs. So, for I no. think for a long period of time, if you looked at how the people in the in the the, the seventh floor or whatever you want, the seventh floor is the CBO used to say, on the top floor, those guys they've doubled and tripled a lot of them, and well, you have a huge skewing of of the uh, lessors getting way more money, uh, those kinds of things. Well, as soon as there's, a, I think a lot of that's because of off- offshoring and a lot of things. I think labor demand is very much like oil; it's very inelastic. That if all of a sudden there's a few extra jobs, everybody gets their thumb put on their paycheck a little bit. And if all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're looking for people, it explodes the other way. I think the Great Resignation is just—I'll I'll go back to this restaurant. The cook left. And the owner said to me, "You know, I, I don't know why he left. I just, I just gave him a, job, a raise. He went from, uh, you know, ten bucks to like fourteen. It was forty percent." And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. "You just raised all the prices in the place two bucks a dinner." The guy puts out, you know, thirty dinners an hour. <laughs> You're going to give him four dollars? I mean, good lord! I hope you had your, your shirt button, your heart. I mean, we're talking about a guy that probably needs twenty five or twenty two. Yeah, you know. And so I, it doesn't surprise me that people had to quit. To go somewhere else, and now this guy is going to wake up and say, "Oh, the going price for a good cook is twenty-two. I guess I'll have to pay that." Well, you, but the, the the idea of walking into your old guy and saying you're making ten, how about twenty-two? Wouldn't cross anybody's eyeballs, would it? No, no, not not unless they walked in and said, "I quit unless you give me this right now." Right. You know, and odds are he would say, uh, "No." How, how about how about twelve? <laughs> he's he's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, he, might, he might start to negotiate with him. I, mean, I, I think that these these people. I mean, if, if you look at any of the stuff, the stupid stuff that I do, Russell. When I did the, somebody called in one day and he was uh, well, he tweeted it. And he was ranting and raving, but he was about how what, you know what's the matter with me? Why don't people get off the sofa and go back to work? And ten dollar an hour job is a job. Well, first of all, I, I would never sit on the sofa and not work. I never have. But yeah, I, I, I went through this study. This is this is before used prices, car prices went up. And I said, okay, a, a regular car, a, a junker that'll run is five grand. And uh, just the thought of the city, uh, the title conversion, uh, sales tax, city sticker, thing park in front of your house, it was the first sixty-six hours of the guy's pay at at ten bucks an hour. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's if somebody gave yeah, you the money for the car, you know? So, I mean, first, you, first, first week and a half. Yeah, first week and a half. You know, and you're like. Okay, I mean, somewhere along the line here, we, we've we got to get these things normal. I mean, you can't expect, 
If a guy's making 10 bucks an hour, he can't go back and forth across the Skyway. He's paying the Skyway Bridge Company yeah. his first hour of the day. I mean, we're not, we're not even close to being normal here. I mean, I mean, when I was working as a, as a laborer on the truck docks, and I was making, I'm going to say it was like 8 bucks an hour or something, and we had double uh, time and a half for Saturday. But it was, it was, that, was decent, that was good, though, in 1974. Well, what, what was lunch, Russell? My hot dog was forty-five cents, not yeah. three dollars. I mean, uh, I mean, you, you didn't. It was way less than. I mean, you could go out and have two or three beers and a burger for less than an hour's work. Now, what is it? Yeah. I mean, if you're making ten bucks an hour, try and find a burger anywhere. It's less than ten bucks, any place. <laughs> no, you're talking about three hours. Yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you if you try and match up, you know. What, what what somebody making ten bucks an hour makes versus just walk through the store and say, really that 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 steak is worth two hours work, really? <laughs> I mean it's 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 unconscionable, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean if you uh, if instead of getting paid in money, we got paid in the things we wanted. Um, I mean, yeah. Could you imagine? Okay, I'm, I want a steak, and, the, and your boss saying, okay, go work for two hours, and I'll come back and give you a steak. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I think which, a lot of which it, in a roundabout way is is kind of what's going on. I think the great re- resignation is really the great adjustment. We have just enough people coming back, you know, some stuff coming back from China to put a little bit of uh, edge in the workforce, and I think we have people that were I don't know forced into but retired early because of COVID, and the couple of million people difference has really upset the, the supply and demand curve vis-a-vis where it was. I wish I could prove that. I oh mean, yeah, I'll bet you could prove it. You get you have enough people that would do some research for you. Oh, you, you can look up the um, you can you can look up you know in the employment number they show they they define the workforce as the people that are looking uh, and haven't been out of work for and I believe that the workforce number is still lower than it was before. Um, you don't have to dig that hard. You don't have to dig that hard to figure that. one Actually, out. you know what? Uh, last month we did this with Carl. Uh, I think we just got above. I don't know if, I don't know if it's above the February number of 2020 uh Russell people now working but it's it's above the December of uh 2019 number. It's 157 points. So we actually got more people working now than at the end of 2019. I think that January and February were pretty good numbers. So I I don't think we're we're above the February number, but if you look at the the Bureau of Labor Statistics once you go back two years, it stops giving you the monthlies. So unless you okay. you cheated and ran it off, I'm sure Carl has it, because I've heard on TV that we're not we're not back to where we were, and yet we are back to December of 2019. So my, I'm guessing that January, February were pretty good months, and we're not quite back to the February number, but we're, we are back okay. to the December of 2000. Hey, a quick, we don't have that much time, but a quick question: what are you, What are you hearing from your? Your students versus, I mean, you and I were, well, you weren't, you were more the way the tail end, but you weren't much of a, thank God, I'm not giving you grief, uh, a Vietnam guy. Uh, no, um, no. So what, what have your students, other than the Afghan thing, which, uh, you know, was pretty much out of sight, out of mind for the last eight or nine years, even though we were still there, mm-hmm. and people were still getting blown up. Uh, what are your people asking you about Ukraine, the whole concept of, of war they like this? Not- not brought it up at really? once. Are you surprised? It, we are, and and honestly, I think 
80% of people in the United States could care less about it. Well, that they know it's going on, they, you know, but, and, but honestly, I think, and, and I think, and it's sad because if you really wouldn't pay attention, I mean, more people were, I, I think more people are fixated and upset about what happened in Brooklyn yesterday than the absolute carnage that is going on in Ukraine. And it is, I mean, I, I keep up with it, and I know, you know, in, and I get emails from you about it as well. It, you know, it is just, it is a horrendous what's going on there right now. Well, between Angelica and, and Lou, we have And it just we and have it sources. shows how limited we are in what we're able to do because we're afraid the guy's going to start firing off nukes if we get involved in it. But if there were not nuclear weapons in the equation, my assumption is we would be in there right now. I don't know about us, but a lot of other people would. Yeah, certainly other people oh, yeah, in I Europe would think they're next. Yeah, I mean, and freaking man, hats off to Boris Johnson for actually going there. Yeah, and I don't care if it was just to distract from you know his party gate or whatever. Uh, you know, uh, we now I mean, there are times that you got to all band up together and uh, let the world know you're not going to put up with some crap. And our messaging and our reaction toward Russia is exactly what China is paying attention to right now. Oh, I would agree with that, too. I, uh, and but the, the, fate of Ty- the fate of Taiwan is totally tied to what's going on right now. Well, you have, I mean, every, everything you do, I mean, I, I, I can't even find out who said it, but we only got a couple of minutes here, but you, you can only really do one thing. If, you, if you're Ukraine and you decide to fight, which they have, uh, and mm-hmm. my hat's off to them for sure, uh, yeah. we but you don't really have an army, you don't really have an air force. You have a little bit of an army, I guess. But so basically, every citizen is becoming a soldier. Well, the flip side of that is the the Russians, who like to do this anyway, it appears, uh, mm-hmm. see every citizen as as an enemy, even yeah. grandma. So they're gonna they're gonna kill everybody, saying it's it's justified. Now you know it's. It, it obviously isn't. Um, I don't no. think our soldiers would ever do that. Uh, although I have a feeling a lot of people in Vietnam they got killed. They were they were citizens waving at you during the day and shooting at you at night. That's what made Vietnam such a cesspool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't see any any really easy way out here. I don't for anybody. But no. I, but I can't believe if you were if you were a youngster, all it would take is is one chance. That's why I, as much as I you know I don't know about I'm not a big fan of Biden. But when people start, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're not doing anything. You're not being strong enough. Well, if you turn around to that newspaper man and said, you know what? You're right. I'm going to be real strong. As of next week, uh, I'm instituting the draft. And by the way, I think you've got a daughter and a son, 18. I expect them to be there in line on Monday morning. Well, that would go over like a fart in church. Oh, it would go over like a fart in church. But that's not the first thing that we need to do. No, I understand that. But, but I mean, yeah. when, when, you, when you say we're going to do something, who's going to do something? Who, who's going to go in and get killed? Who's going to pay for it? But it, we only have thirty seconds. But I got an interesting uh, email from one of my our listeners. He said, "We better make sure Iran never gets a bomb, because if they do, they can do whatever they damn well please, and we won't ever touch them." Exactly. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean they, it, Iran turns into North Korea with with resources. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Russell, are you are you home for Easter? Or are you Eastering in Indianapolis? Am I? No, I'll be back up there. All right, bud. Uh, take care of yourself. Uh, if you're, right. uh, we'll talk at you next week. Happy Easter. Cool. 
Cool. SP futures yeah. down four, NASDAQ futures up nine. Kind of a nothing day so far. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I can't help thinking somewhere in the universe there has to be something better than man.